I'm Siri. I'm like Ray, but I'm a witcher, and I'm gonna be a great witcher, and me and Geralt, we're gonna be the best witchers of all the witches. <laughs> That's how I hear Siri in my head. Oh, God bless her. He has to make plenty of compromising decisions to protect Siri once he's decided to do that. Spoiler alert, it's at the end of the season already, and it's gonna be for the whole thing. It's Geralt and Siri. I'm Siri. I'm gonna be a witcher with Geralt, the best witcher of all the witches. You called it Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, guys. Here we go. Season one, episode three of The Witcher on Netflix, Betrayer Moon. This is, f- for me, the grossest and scariest one. It's hard to argue. It's maybe my least favorite, possibly because of how dark and here. It's already dark and gross and scary. Um, and... Uh, the the str- the trigger is absolutely horrifying um and it was horrifying in the book and this was actually the, I, I said that the first major story was the first episode of this season um with Renfrey that's actually the second the first major story where I said it was sort of just introducing Geralt's powers is this one with the striga because it's great it shows all the betrayals it shows how he's actually trying to not kill things and save things um and uh ooh that's loud um and uh but it also shows this investigatory stuff which is a huge part of the game and I hope that they would do some of so far it's been mostly according to the book um which has a little investigation but is actually a bigger part of the game using the senses um but it's incredibly loyal. Again, who hires him, the people behind it, the motives, what he does, what happens. From what, in two readings, and I've even gone back to Strigger story. Even though this, the written version scares the shit out of me. And I knew this was coming in one of the early episodes and that it was going to scare the shit out of me. Indeed it did. Um, and so the problem with this episode... It's sort of an expansion from the last one where I said, I love Yennefer's early transformation, but maybe they should have done the whole episode with Geralt and Dandelion slash Jaskier. Again, once a podcast, I'm going to end up calling Jaskier, uh, Jaskier Dandelion. So, uh, you know, that's just how it's going to be. Even though I do love the name Jaskier and thinks it works great. But to me, he's Dandelion. I spent too much time with Dandelion um, to not call him Dandelion. But anyways... Uh, it, it's not that I don't love Anya's performance in 2 and 3. I just think it could have been compact into this episode and maybe spill over to another. That way we would have gotten the whole edge of the world as the whole, uh, uh, you know, straight A storyline of just Dandelion and Geralt and their first big misadventure with the goat creature and the elves and so forth. And as I have mentioned, that particular story in The Last Wish completely describes immediately 
um, the exact relationship that Geralt and, and Dandelion will have and will always have. And even though it, it, it can seem kind of goofy with the goat creature at times and whatever, in the book, it's taken quite seriously philosophically and politically. Um, and, uh, and so I've also said it's the most representative sort of philosophically and with how Geralt treats and deals with non-humans. It's so loyal to the books and the games. This again, Braveheart, very reminiscent to, uh, let's, we've been invited to a meeting with the, uh, English. I'm sure everything will be fine. Nope. They hang all the Scots and the nobles. Baby Wallace sees it. Is this the Striga? So I hate horror stuff. As I've said before, I'm actually okay with it in games and like games like Last of Us and Resistance. I'm not up for the straight games that are this scary or like zombie-filled, like, you know, like the Resident Evil games or whatever. But, you know, Tomb Raider can be horrifying even. Um, Witcher can scare the shit out of you. But even like actually scary games, like I said, like Resistance or I can play some Dead Space, games like that. Um, by the way, the, the fact that this woman looks like Yennefer, and you almost think it's her for the first minute or two, not a surprise. Again, without a dialogue or exposition, it's clear that he would hire a, um, a server, a person like her. I believe this is a, tra- this is a transaction. Um, he's already disconnecting himself. She's already disconnecting herself. Oh, she's seeing the wounds. Um, but that he would l- look for, you know. Uh, look how sad he is. He's so tormented. I guess he hasn't met Yennefer yet. Spoiler alert. Princess. Were you in love? What does he say? I forget this part. But anyways, so this is the the biggest stretch in terms of imagining Yennefer's later days as ugly Yennefer, and then her her, her physical transformation, how it's done, and then you know the beginning of of beautiful, heartless, borderline evil. But we're still rooting for Yennefer, um, and uh, I, I think they nail it again. You know, this, like, Remfrey in the Edge of the World, we've now had three straight Witcher storylines that are completely from the book in almost every way possible, from The Last Wish and Yennefer's pure imagination. But I think they needed the challenge, and we wanted to see it. We didn't want to see Yennefer first in a TV series. We know we're going to be with her for a long time, hopefully. We didn't want The Last Wish to be the first time to see her. And while they certainly didn't need to do the bordering on sob story, but I think excellently done, uh, you know, um, Yennefer, hunchback part of her life. I mean, I don't know how you do it better, acting, writing, direction, etc. Um, and, you know, her personality, as we, you know, know from a small amount of information in the books, uh, it, it does change radically when she becomes physically beautiful, and not for is a better. Uh-oh, here we go. So, you know, when I do commentaries, TV or film, there's certain things that go slower, certain things that are faster, certain things, you know, I miss even while watching closely, more so I pick up on. So I actually want certain things to slow down, like this early scene here. Because normally I'm just waiting for the intro. Here, the glorious Witcher music and intro and get into the main story. So, again, bottom line... 
the reason I think this is the weakest episode is because this is the one where you expect it to pick up mythologically and character wise it doesn't happen until next episode with the wedding but it was important to see how horrifying some of the supernatural stuff was in this world with the striga how evil and and scary it can be but that there are non-traditional ways of dealing with it and uh they wanted Yennefer to go through a real you know journey dark as it is and painful as it is but I think after seeing this episode like one and a half, one and three quarter times, uh, the thing I'll probably be the most critical about in the entire series will be lingering on the lead up to Yennefer's transformation. Nilfgaard. Fucking Nilfgaard. Oh, Vilgefort. Oh, Vilgefort, guys. I'm back on Blood of Elves. My third reading. I'm almost done. I'm physically reading it this time, though. I'm physically reading all the books. Actually, no, I finished Blood of Elves. I'm about to start um, Time of Contempt. And my whole Siri thing. I'm Siri, and I'm a witcher, and I'm gonna be the best witcher of all the witchers. She totally talks like that when she's around the witchers. Oh, she decided to kill your king, and they're talking about regicide. He has no problem with killing kings if they deserve it, Geralt. This was important. So far, he's just been quiet and stoic. But in both the game and the books, he will give long speeches where he just reams out people for not just immorality, but stupidity and working against their own interests. You know, being violent and deathly, death-filled and horrible against their own interests. Then I die. Right. This is a great, a great job because they feel like they have nothing to lose because he'll either fail and die. He could succeed and die, which is what they're banking on. Here we go. Oh, man. This is why I'm, I'm way back into the series saga well before it airs, starts to air, because like, the kings and... and, and yeah. This is Fultress? What's his name? By the way, I, I call him Blaviken Woods instead of... I'm going to mix up some of the names. My other main complaint, just as heads up, which may start here next episode where Siri spends a while with the Dryads. Um, maybe I hinted at this. The Dryads are way more menacing... And sort of not in amoral or immoral, really, but sort of non-moral. They're like the Bendu in Star Wars. They're the ones in the middle, or like the Ents. You know, when push comes to shove, they hate the bad guys more than the people that we consider the good guys. But they want like elves to be removed from humans and not bothered. And uh, it's much more tense. And in, in in the the one thing they didn't have time for in this season, I know it's not this episode yet, is that Geralt travels with Siri in the forest, but doesn't realize who she really is, and they get separated on purpose. And it's only later that he goes to Queen Calanthe. So in this in, in this series, they don't meet until the very end, and he goes to Calanthe right before uh, Sintra is sacked and so forth. That doesn't happen uh, I, in the book. In the book, him and Siri spend time together, don't realize they're each other's destiny. Um, and then they get split up, and then Calanthe says, go to Geralt of Rivia to Ciri when things are going to shit, and Geralt somehow realizes that Ciri's the one. I I can't remember. Actually, I don't think he recognizes that Ciri's the one, because he never... Because Kalinthi successfully tricks him, actually. Uh, He sees through it immediately with Kalanthi in the final episodes here. 
Oh, is this Tris Marigold? Okay. Here it is. Here it is. I thought there was going to be just a lot of stupid hatred around this series because fanboys suck in general, and they tend to not like women and tend to be racist. Now, I do not know if this lovely, lovely, lovely woman playing Tris Marigold is a person of color. She's not a straight redhead, as we imagine Tris, although she's described as chestnut, and this is sort of chestnut hair. But... I'm going to, I'll get back to the, the, you know, I'm jumping ahead to other episodes here because I I do want to start the conversation about the Geralt Siri relationship. In some ways, they they rush it, um, but also force it too much at times in the series. Okay, Tris Marigold. But the bottom line is, people are either happy or holding their tongues about Anya Shalotra. Women, obviously, are loving her because she's fucking amazing. Um, and you know, women in particular, but men and women who like this stuff want really bad female bad guys. They nevertheless like, because it just hasn't been that many. Now I've said that the only good, even though she does uh, things that she learns later, weren't necessarily the best because she has to serve Kings for, for some time. And they're not usually doing the best things. Charisse is the one out and out good guy. And we'll see through this episode. We'll see that her power is limited compared to Yennefer. Yennefer actually, has to give her a big pump-up speech um, in the final episodes to do her, you know, nature magic, take down the bad guys. 2,000 orins. So there's orins and there's crowns. In the game, you exit to go to a dwarf banker to exchange one for the other. You get loans and shit. It's hilarious. Um, It's important, though, that Triss understand the situation probably better than someone like Yennefer because of her naturalism and sort of druidic qualities. Um... But, uh, quick side note, I, I, I think quick jump scares and really gross stuff is a bit of a cheap trick, which is part of why I don't like horror. It also scares me, and in a video game, at least you have a gun, or you're controlling a character even without a gun, and you can physically run, like in The Last of Us. Here, you're just waiting for the horror. They do execute it amazingly, and I think people who might not be super into it by episode three, but who are big horror fans... Look at the way this is shot. I mean, this looks like an old school, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of thing. They're, they're nailing the aesthetic. Um, you clearly weren't acquainted. Um, so, here's the thing. So, yeah, so fanboys, I'm not complaining about Anya Chalotra. And, and the bottom line is, the male uh, bad guys, the male sorcerers, who are various level of not good guys, from the, from Yennefer's lover to uh, fucking Vilgefort. Vilgefort. But goddamn, is he good-looking and amazing actor? It's like Riz Ahmed. I, you know, everyone's cast so well. The only complaints I've seen that, from before that have lasted are Triss. Um, and I think the problem is, and I was sort of wrong last time. I, I said she couldn't. Either A, she couldn't be much younger than Yennefer in terms of her helping of Ciri at the beginning of next season. She's the, literally the first half of Blood of Elves is Ciri and Triss, basically, um, which I'll get back to, which is why they needed to cast her for season two and not season one. It's amazing she got her own episode and is so major in the final two. Um, oh, is this a sex scene with Yennefer? Yep. So speaking of the gorgeous, amazingly acting, uh, uh, amazing acting ability, uh, English folks of color, this guy is amazing as Istrid. Okay, so you think this is a Game of Thrones? This is great. Because she does this again with real people, where she watches an orgy. She loves a crowd. You think this is like even more twisted than Game of Thrones, but this just turns out to be a weird fetish of hers as part of the illusion, which is why they're not caring and 
and now the people are sort of out of it. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe it. Anya Chalotra is so young. She agreed to so much nudity and sex. I said that was the thing I needed the least of in it. Even The Witcher 3, while it has a lot of sex, it doesn't linger on it. Like, it lingers on its violence. I'm fine, though. It serves the plot, serves the characters, etc. So, anyways, Tress. So, I said... So, they they do in Blood of Elves, when she comes, say that she is quite younger than... Um, than... Than... Uh, uh, than Yennefer. It's not weird that you would be taking instructions in the final episodes from Yennefer, because Yennefer is clearly the strongest. Even Tessaya t- um, t- is admitting that, other than Vil- Vilgefortz, and even Vilgefortz in that first battle is pretty much letting Yennefer call the shots. Um, uh, you know, um, she's talking Princess Leia, uh, uh, but she's like evil. You know, she's evil fantasy Princess Leia, basically. She's good at everything, but has a horrible heart. Most <laughs> Leia is Yennefer. But anyways, so Trish defers to her. But, they, but the, the thing is, the actress who plays... Anya Shalotra looks, not here, but when she's in full Yennefer form with her furs and the eyes and the hair and gorgeous, Anya looks like she could be mid, probably late 20s, even though she's, I think, 23 while shooting this. Now, Anna Schaefer, who plays Triss, is not much older, I'm an idiot. She's just earthier looking, age 27. Okay, so there... But I also said, even if they're not the same age, just having Triss and... and, um uh, and Yennefer look around the same age, I think was a good move because because e- even though they describe her as younger, they don't actually use... Uh, I'm sorry, Sapkowski doesn't really use terms like sisterly or big sister in the book. It's just because, again complaining about Triss and Dandelion from The Witcher 3. While Triss is great, she's American, which doesn't work, and she's her red hair is like anime red, which is fine, but she looks as young or younger than Siri, which is against her, um, you know, it, it, let's put it this way, they want to look young and beautiful, but looking 22 is going to work against their interests. This is one of those, like, defender scenes uh, with Sigourney Weaver, that I could sort of uh, take or leave, but the repeat watching is just fun to listen to. You know, the deliciousness of whatever weirdness is going on and the cool visuals of the fire and blah, blah, Um But anyways, tri- look, Siri has two moms. Yennefer ends up being her true and longest mother. But if you just look at the Blood of Elves, which is season two, we're, if they're at all loyal, we are going to spend the first third to 40, 50, maybe half the season, season two, based on Blood of Elves, with Triss Marigold being the mother for Ciri, the the first real woman in her life since she was a girl, who helps her with things like clothing and menstruation and (laughs) telling the men that she's indisposed because it's that time of the month. Oh, man, I can't wait till the people aren't expecting how much they're going to talk about real girls' issues between Triss. You know, Triss is the sort of physical, earthly, again, being druid-like, nature-like, like she she isn't magically powerful nearly enough to help Siri once she realizes Siri is a source, which is like the ultimate but most unpredictable type of power. And, she, and Triss, while she's je- jealous of Yennefer in principle with Geralt, who she's a thing for, they kiss. It's unclear whether they, their previous relationship, um, but it doesn't really matter. The point is she realizes that the actual magical training the Witchers can't do, and even she can't do, but Yennefer can do. And so the second half of the book is getting Siri to Yennefer, and then. And Yennefer being a much 
being being the bad cop to Teresa's good cop and being much more harsh towards what she calls the ugly one, which I think is going to end up again being at least in the series because I don't know if this is the book. You know, her being called Piglet by Tessia here before she earns being called Yennefer and then the best student and so forth. Uh, you know, because Siri does get slashed across the face eventually. She's still beautiful, um, but you know, Yennefer's calling her the ugly one out of irony because and she says it to Siri, but Siri doesn't understand because she doesn't know the background. And she basically says to Siri, Siri, the reason I can call you the ugly one is because it's not true. And you know, you and she's hinting further, like you might think you're not as beautiful as me, or won't be as beautiful as me, but you'll be more beautiful than me, and it's going to be real. Um, but it's the beginning of the reclamation process, and that's why you know they, I think they started to regress the characters th- this season. Well, it's really just Geralt and Yennefer. Tandelion's caught in the middle. It's none of it's his fault from a personal standpoint. He gets yelled at out of frustration from Geralt, leaves. Geralt's an idiot. He drives away his best friend and the woman he loves within five seconds. Yennefer regresses. So I talked about regression, and I think part of the fact, the reason they want, now that I'm reading Blood of Elves again, and realize how quickly they're trying to do, like, let's put, so just as an example, the, the Witcher men are completely ignoring Ciri's feminine needs, um, because they don't know about them, and they don't understand. They've loved women, but they've never had relationships, and for all their hundreds of years or whatever, they still know nothing about the day-to-day of women. Here we go. Miss Marigolds. Later we learn she likes to be called Triss, not Marigold. So, anyways, we needed her to be the other mom. You know, it's... Uh, Her Royal Highness. Here we go. This is also... The early episodes of shows like this, even though I know where it's going, are tough. You know, it's like the first half of Rogue One. The back, good guys are just getting punched in the balls over and over and over again. And then they get they briefly, or when they get the Death Star plans with Invader, they're kicked in the balls again. But, you know, it, they're still just trying to survive and reach, like, phase one of potential here, which is why you needed Triss. They definitely did not need to introduce Triss like this. They could have just had her have a slightly more screen time in the final couple episodes. But look, guys, this is how it is in the books. Triss is a straight-up good guy, so she's not nearly as interesting or complicated as Yennefer, and that is the point. But the highlight of the Blood of Elves, other than Ciri being funny and suddenly cocky and overly confident, I'm gonna be a witcher, the best witcher of all the witches, Ciri, um, which I love, it's really most memorable with the way Triss, with being correct 95% of the time, reams out the men too harshly because they don't, they don't, they're doing it out of ignorance, not malice. And she's just generally angry at Geralt. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a woman's reaction, which is he's a little girl. Yeah, she sees all the bruises and cuts and she, and then the lack of help with woman stuff, menstruation, clothing, etc. And Triss just loses her mind. But that's a motherly instinct. She's already in love with the girl. Like, everyone falls in love. Even the witchers, even Lambert, the biggest asshole, most cynical witchers, fucking love Siri. You just can't help it. Doesn't matter how hardened your heart is. And Triss's heart is not hardened. Even though for, for a maid, she's, quote, only 100 or 200 or something, she's still super powerful, very complicated. You can see, you know, the lines of experience on her face, which is the point. Yennefer's hiding from them.
Again, I'm assuming you guys have seen this episode. Let's put it this way. If you want to understand what's actually happening here and how complicated this whole thing is with the Striga, you have a couple options. The first... The the, the non-option is is listen to me, because I'm not going to talk about the specifics of this episode much. Because from four till the end is insane. I want to set it up. This is so loyal to the books, it's almost oppressive for someone like me who's seen it a million times. So your best option is uh, normally the best option with all this, which I keep telling y'all, which is go read The Last Wish. This is literally the intro of The Witcher, what he does, the terrible societies around him, but the the good things he can accomplish sometimes, or try, despite it, um, and despite them. Uh, and so go to The Last Wish. You also could watch this episode again, or twice. Um, I've been telling people to watch subtitles. Uh, here's the king. This is like Kalinthi. Even when the kings and queens aren't horrible, Geralt is so impudent and so, uh, you know, honest. They can't take it. They're constantly threatening him to leave, to to, to die, to be executed, to be thrown in prison, and then they call him back because they need him, and then as soon as they don't need him, they say, you're horrible, get out of here, never come back. We just see it over and over again. It's frustrating. There's Triss. Triss really likes Geralt the Witcher. And again, memorable so much in Blood of Elves and really across the series, there's three or four main things, but in terms of extended part of a book, Triss, and, and Triss immediately turning Siri from the top tomboy that literally wants to be magically turned into a boy because that's all she knows with the witchers ignoring her women's needs and and everything else and and covered in blood and scars that's not from torture but from practice and she has no problem with the interest is the one that's like look you can train you can train in the in the witcher ways with sword fighting but you are a princess and you are an enchantress you're someone of great power but you're also a woman and you're you know you're not a girl you're a woman and we're going to deal with all of these things and i'm going to help you we're going to make clothes we're not going to fight every day, and the guys are going to deal with it, and the guys do. And there's one part where she goes too far in questioning Vesemir, who's the wonderful old Uncle Vesemir, wonderful old uh, oldest of the Witchers, who's like the grandfather slash uncle slash dad, uh, called Uncle Vesemir by Siri with much love. She, he loves her unconditionally. Um, you know, I mean, like Geralt, but you know, Vesemir really loves Siri, loves Geralt as a son, loves Siri as a you know granddaughter or great niece or whatever. Uncle Vesemir. So it, there's one point where Triss goes a little too far in her self-righteousness about the whole thing, and Geralt calls her Marigold sneeringly, which she hates, and then he immediately feels bad and apologizes, and in front of everybody else, the chapter ends, and Triss just goes, you don't want to be alone tonight. It's implied, um, it's not implied heavily either way. There's one scene where she specifically says, no, we're not going to have sex, just sleep in the same bed as me. She tries to kiss him briefly for a few seconds. He pushes her away early on when she arrives. She's talking about wanting to sleep with him. It's possible uh, I overstated in my brain how much of a romance they did or did not have. Um, uh, in the game, whether you romance her or not, it's hard to not just kiss Tris in the game because she's so sweet and cute and they make it really easy. It's one of the easier not romances because that takes a lot of work. I know. I, I always go with Yennefer because, come on, it's Yennefer and, and Geralt. Um, but, you know, with, with in, in the middle of a park, holding Tress, being sweet. She's such a sweetheart. She's an ultimate good heart. Like I said, she's the white wizard. She's Ahsoka. She, Ray. she's good straight through in terms of her morals. I'll favor Yennefer to Nilfgaard instead of Frangilla. Interesting. They're already being sold. 
Is this Amir? Does she meet Amir von Emerus? Who... I don't know, guys. This is where the spoiler to the next couple books is. Dooney? Well, you know what? I'm going to wait for Dooney in the Hedgehog next episode. Let's just say... The Emperor of Nilfgaard is a series dad and is not dead, as we thought. I demand an audience with the chapter smoking a pipe. That's great. It's Tessaya. So anyways, rewatch this with subtitles or go to the book or both if you want to understand the string of stuff. This is all invented. You know, Sapkowski continues in his short interviews and sound bites to say he doesn't care what people do with his material, even though I would argue both this so far and The Witcher 3 are unbelievably loyal, even while expanding on the world building in a big way. You know, and with character stuff, you always have more time in books. Although a 300-hour, you know, 150-hour game like The Witcher, you do also do have time, not like the books, but for world building and physical, uh, visual, aesthetic, magical, you know, warfare stuff, you have way more time and way more room. Uh, I guess this is the big, uh, the, you know, this is the re- the mid-season, the, the first early mid-season character regression or regressions is the sort of, you know, teacher, student, older friend, younger friend breakup of these two. Um, I suppose Yennefer is incredibly getting too comfortable, but also incredibly naive for thinking this wouldn't happen. She got sold off to the, to the mages, to the enchantresses. Because she had nowhere else to go, and somehow she belonged there. And now these enchantresses are selling her off to the most powerful courts in the land. I, I don't know. And she's sleeping with a spy of a mage who all work for for these people. So, again, in the book and or here, I can't remember the extent to which Geralt thinks he's going to get paid, or this just becomes a personal crusade. These views. <laughs> are you going to kill her? And, well, I think the the Triss unsure people, it's not going to say Triss haters, people who are unsure about this lovely, charismatic, very good acting woman here who just totally looks like a modern woman, but who also would fit in this universe. Perfect. She does have chestnut hair. It's a little red, mostly brown. Um, it, 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 I think it's mostly coming from people who are mostly a Witcher 3 video game people, where, she, again, she's young and perky and, you know, bouncy and, you know... Uh, uh, pink-haired and so forth. Oh, this is great. This is him testing how moronic the guards are with Triss there. It's partially to show off, but she wants to see it. You know, that's what makes The Witcher great, is he knows that, you know, 70-80% of the time during any sort of conflict or lead-up to conflict, he's gonna have to do witchery superhero stuff. But sometimes just doing the easy, dumb, obvious stuff is something normal humans don't do because we're trying to impress other people or impress ourselves or think we always have to act superhuman to face big challenges. But sometimes it's just throwing a rock and waiting for a few seconds. Like, in Assassin's Creed. Can't do stuff like that in The Witcher. There's no surprise attacks in The Witcher. I mean, you're never not seen coming by any level or type of creature. That's just the way it is. Well, I'm not a guy who loves pure stealth games like Metal Gear Solid or whatever. These shots are amazing. We saw some of this stairway um, with the black and white in the stained glass window. Um, 
So I guess what I'm saying about Triss, guys, is I really like her in the show so far. I love her in the series. And while her biggest and only extended role uh, is the first half of Blood of Elves, raising Ciri, essentially, after the guys do some things right and some things terribly wrong in raising a young woman... Um, it's incredibly memorable, and it happens to be the first half of the first book of the Siri saga, or the Siri Pentology. Um, and so, it really sticks in your brain. Um, but because after the initial meeting, there's a bit of a time jump, and then they're on the road, and Triss is sick, and so forth. Even though you don't get to Yennefer and Ciri till later in the book, by the time the book's over, you're already like, Triss is amazing, I hope she comes back, but Yennefer's clearly the one, as we always thought. Um, even though sort of the time in the book together, whatever, we will get there. Here comes investigation. I love that working together. This is totally like a Doctor Who thing, right? I haven't watched a ton of Doctor Who, but I know how it works. You know, sci-fi, weird mystery stuff. So if you guys are Doctor Who, you can tell me if this if it feels similar with the guy and girl investigating together. Other than only using the art sign in the book, and there's so many, there's five in the game... I don't know where they got the rest of them, unless I'm missing something. Uh, not getting the straight Witcher sense, I think, is a mistake. But, again, you know, the book doesn't talk about this sort of fisheye lens and everything goes dark and, and sound becomes, you know, louder but more distant, kind of, so you can focus on more things and different things at once. Like the Witcher sense that you're using constantly, um, in which tons of games have copied, including, you know, Aloy's um, little Bluetooth piece thing that she uses in Horizon, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, w- one of the guilty things was I wanted more episodes like this in principle where there was investigation. Um, I think the other thing with Triss is she kind of looks nervous and sad here all the time. Her character in the book is not exactly bubbling with happiness. So this actually is a much closer portrayal to the book what we've seen so far of Triss. And let's be honest, guys, this woman's beautiful. We couldn't have someone overshadowing. Not that it was ever a problem, but you wanted a very beautiful woman that wouldn't distract from Yennefer because her being the most beautiful is part of her character. It's not just about being the lead female, and that's what we see in this episode. And that's the great contrast between Yennefer and Triss. And we see it all in the first book, Blood of Elves, so we're going to see in season two. Series with Yennefer the second half, series with Triss the first half. It's all amazing. Geralt's trying to be there or trying to be there or help the situation, even though they have to par constantly. He's always monitoring it. There's full tests. He's seduced at an abuse disposition. Um, it is, you know, the, the naturalism of everything about Triss, as opposed to the unnaturalism of everything about Yennefer, you know, even again, Triss's magic comes from the earth, uh, as opposed to uh, some, like, sorcery and, and demonic stuff, I mean, in Witcher 3, we fucking see, I don't think you even have a choice, 
In order to get information about Siri, they dig up a grave, and Yennefer brings back to life through necromancy a, 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 a poor young boy who helped Siri because they need information. And if, as usual, they're cursed by the villagers and told never to come back. But it's absolutely horrifying. And while Yennefer, by the events of The Witcher 3, which is, again, much after all these books, where Siri's gone and then comes back, and she's much older, and they're even older, Yennefer has matured so, so, so greatly. I do want to also point out as I praise in advance the Siri, Yennefer and Siri Triss stuff that we're going to get in season two, um, pulled from book one, Blood of Elves, um, that I just finished and loved as usual. Again, it's mostly character stuff, but there's enough fighting and action scenes and enough hilarious dandelion. They got all the material they need right there. Um, in Blood of Elves remains one of my favorite of any of them. Istred. Uh, Istrid's planning with, uh, Fringilla. It's all Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard's the worst. When you just played the game, you just think of them as these these asshole, pretentious, violent conquerors, which they are, but it's way more devious because it's Emperor Emir Avon Emrith. But anyways... And they keep trying to say, they accelerate... After Geralt loses it at Yennefer and him, her and him break up... In, in episode 6 um, and you know he kicks Dandelion out of the picture temporarily because of his temper which comes out finally as Geralt in episode 6 after the beautiful dragon stuff because of the beautiful dragon stuff um, but then Geralt in his renewed search for Siri him almost losing hope in life and then everything coming back just seeing Siri and hugging her and then Yennefer being at least for the moment the ultimate good guy in Sodden um and taking on, you know, the might of Nilfgaard in a way that, as the Blood of Elves starts a couple of years later Nilfgaard is still licking their wounds now there's episode uh the first novel of elves that we're going to see next season is also like the first major council scene where we meet Foltest, who's been in this, um, and, and all all the sort of kings and queens of the north. Obviously, Ciri's grandma Clinty would be in there if she were still alive. And and the fate of Centra, which is under the control of Nilfgaardians, um, is one of the things they talk about. But they're also talking about you know, do we find Ciri? Is she alive? Do we kill her? Do we try and marry her off? And so you start to see the the you know not so goodness of the so called good guy. But at that point, Nilfgaard is licking their wounds from Sodden years later. That, that's how, you know, how the, I mean, it looks dramatic with what the sorceresses, enchantresses do at the end of the season. And then obviously the, you know, five mile radius, burnt to the ground, fire spell thing or whatever that Yennefer does obviously sets them back. But they're already paranoid and ready for invasion and return and, um, uh, as the series saga goes along. It's hard to fully be with this guy because he's a backstabber. I was going to do some Mary for you. That was your decision. This is... So, the way she's talking to him here, where she's clearly insecure, the way she's dealing with it is to put everything on the guy and question everything about their morals and brains and maleness and so forth. It's, it goes to a new level with Geralt, but this is clearly a much earlier phase of it. Everyone's a pawn. I will not be schooled by a man who pimps the world as some romantic adventure. Wow, she's not even looking him in the eyes. I don't think oh, my world is cruel. So this is exposition. That's not exposition. This is specifically not telling us 
how male wizard training differs from what seems like harsher female enchantress training. I want to be powerful. Seeing the door with everyone watching, he's right. It's what I'm owed. Right? No matter how RBD will ever make you worthy of either. He's not wrong. Um, but having him be not a total good guy, even while everything he says to her is basically true, other than hiding that he's a spy, which is bad. But in terms of like how he feels for her positively, but the worries he has about her negatively, all of that is true. And um, as important early, because she's now going to project this on to, um, to Geralt, I, I think. Um, she definitely is with many men in, in the literature, implied or otherwise, between now, which is in a big time jump with Geralt, but that guy is the last guy she really falls for until Geralt, and, uh, it's sort of like Han and Leia, like the way, if you watch the solo movie, uh, the way Kira, Amelia Clark, uh, yeah, love her, uh, Daenerys Targaryen, Khaleesi, Amelia Clark's character Kira, well, she does love Han, she is hiding the secret that she's going to betray him in the end, she's not on his side, and while she's very sweet throughout and mostly helps him throughout, her betraying him when he's totally clueless, I think is part of what burns him and makes him so sensitive with Leia comes along, you know, he's overreacting to everything, you know, the fact that Leia's not constantly giving him attention, it, it's hurting his poor little ego. I think Yennefer's burned by this a lot. They wouldn't have lingered so much time and made the relationship so, uh, you know, sweet and tender and romantic if they weren't trying to give that idea with Yennefer. Alright, so this guy's not even, I, I forgot this. We think he's already selling her the... Oh, no. He knows it's coming. He hoped it wasn't coming, but he knows that the the the, the physical surgery's coming. Now, I had assumed... This is maybe a choice I don't agree with. Again, if it's from the lore, I apologize. I had assumed that while it would be very painful, that A, it would be magic and not scientific means for the most part that would, you know, shape Yennefer into her new physical form. Um, <laughs> Carol... God damn it. More dumb idiots I have to kill. Oh, man. Does he murder all these guys? I forget. So, yeah. I think I'd only seen this episode once. Oh, and here's Fultest, who who Triss is working for. Um, now, what happens is, there, are th- as I've mentioned, there are 13 or 14 enchantresses who die at Sodden in the end of the saving people and actually become folk heroes, even though generally magic users are hated, looked down upon. This guy totally looks like one of the English kings in, uh, in Vikings. Well, this work. Um, Yennefer's not on the list, because she doesn't die. But she's still rumored she's dead. She's not. Uh, and Triss is on the list, but it, it's is not dead. Some For some reason, gets left on the list. It's not too secret to people in the know that Triss is still alive. But she does start to get sick with human ailments, and she seems fragile. And so, I, I think it's not... I called her the white robe Gandalf. You know, she starts with Gandalf the white... And she continues to be getting off the way in terms of her, her heart and her morals to trust Marigold, as we'll see with Siri next season, which I can't wait, because it's hilarious. I know monster hunting and witchering sounds awesome, but you've not seen anything 
until Sirius is asking Yennefer and uh, and Triss straight up really uncomfortable questions about like how babies are made and sex and virginity and menstruation and so forth. It's fantastic. And Sirius keeps telling Yennefer, I'm not going to ask about Geralt, I promise. And she'd be like, Miss Yennefer, yes? Can you tell me when you first met Geralt? Uh, Sirius obsessed with virginity because of the stupid folk tales, even as a princess. Are they shaking on it? You can't trust anybody. Oh, no, he gives something. Mm-hmm. Whoa, is this a well-over-hour episode? This might be the other problem with this episode. How is this rated online? I'm curious. It's got 9.0. It's the first 9.0. There's a lot of 8.7s, 8.9s, but not until the final episode that we get a 9.2. So, you know, this actually makes sense with the standard thinking. I I said early on, having looked at these scores, that this might appeal to a wider audience because of the crazy sex. This is the most Game of thrones episode, right? You have the crazy sex, you have all the wizards and the politicians arguing, and then you've got this horror element here. No touchy-feely stuff. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, so yeah, so people, people really like this episode. Can't say enough about my Anna burning us to, as Tessia. Obviously, Frangilla, people, Mimi, and Duane has mostly just been scowling and bad the whole time. And Frangilla remains bad. She's more complicated. Again, you can never trust the male, the male, um, sorcerers. Uh, Oh, Strigobor in this too? Did I miss miss uh, Lars? I must have missed Lars. Um, but some of the other uh, witches and hairdressers, um, or like Philippa goes back and forth. Who's he tied up here? No. Hmm. I guess this is Strigobor. No. That's not, that's not. No, Jason Thorpe, excuse me. I was like, that's not Lars Mikkelsen. So Istred, who's been Yennefer's lover, slash spying on her. Uh, yeah, as I thought, I remembered one of her longtime lovers, and uh, one of the most. Uh, we don't see this season, um, but in the Sword of Destiny, another great chapter is him and Geralt learn that they're in the same town with Yennefer. She claims not to care. They can fight over her if, if they want. She, of course, deep down, I think, wants them to. Uh, she threatens to marry him and live together. Now I remember that chapter so well. Let's see. Estrid, before going to fight Geralt, received a letter from Enchanted Kestrel sent by Yennefer telling him she had chosen to leave him. Estrid, in grief, turned up... Oh, then he wants to be killed by Geralt because he'll never have Yennefer. 
Yeah, and, and then Geralt, of course, walks away. So that's it. Istrid, his whole life around this woman. Here we go. I mean, you know, obviously they want to do a juxtaposition between the way in which this is horrifying, which is sort of one definition, and the way in which the actual horror uh, of the Striga. So the two most sort of horrifying image, uh, ongoing images uh, th- that are horrifying and terrifying and scary <clears throat> and gross and so forth in, in different ways, there's that sort of easy juxtaposition. It also gets us through the two darkest parts uh, at once, which I appreciate. I don't know if that was sort of the int- main intention, but again, after this episode, when I was binging it, I was a little worried we were heading fully into Game of Thrones territory. Um, not that every episode need a happy ending. That's not the case in the books, or definitely not going to be in the series. Um, but just how dark and gloomy and sort of humorless it, it was. And nope, it doesn't happen. We immediately go back into the quote-unquote past with Pavetta and Queen Calenthe. Here comes the story. I got to turn this down. Just, if for no other reason, then I'm going to be scared. And it's going to distract me. So yeah, so Istrid is a... Um, Istrid is a is a a tragic character. I do not think, however, that he was a spy for Strigobor. I think they wanted to keep Lars Mikkelsen at Strigobor because Lars Mikkelsen was awesome at Strigobor. Uh, what's interesting, uh, we know for sure from the books that the male sorcerers know how to fight. Part of that is just, like, I think being manly. Um, oh, here it is. This is the alien stuff that pops up from behind, I think, right? Is this viscera? Is this, like... Uh, here's, like, some gross... Oh, no, this must be the umbilical cord. It's disgusting. Um, now, Yennefer fights in the dragon episode where they have to fight all the bad humans away from the dragons and the dragon's protectors. Yennefer fights with a knife and is as effective or more effective than Geralt. It's not unclear why neither of them are using magic. They're really holding back on the magic. I guess they wanted to hold back. Oh, there it is. Oh, there he goes. He's a goner. Yep, they're doing hard right. I mean, even I know they're doing hard right. The angles, the color, lack of color, the snow, blood splattering. So, there, again, the trigger from the book is horrifying in the book. This is really gross. They did a great job here. They wanted it to look like an old-school horror thing, but, you know, with modern, you know, Venom technology or whatever they got going on. Um, but while the sort of, you know... Uh, oozing slimy bloodiness that you can you can't really replicate as being so nasty in video games with all the blood um even if you have limbs flying the way that they jump out at you and the noises they make and the ways they try to kill you there are monsters that are very much very much this frightening at least frightening to fight uh in the witcher game so he's got the chain here here comes the Witcher music. I love it. It's like Captain America, you know, each movie gets his music a couple times when it's time for the big fight. Let's see what happens. He throws it around. Oh, it's silver. All right, silver harms monsters. Monsters still going. Oh, man, that's like a a nightcrawler jump. Uh, he's sterilizing her. So... Okay, so anyways, so in the books, the male sorcerer seems to know how to fight. Maybe they're somewhat weaker as well. 
I do remember this juxtaposition of the two horrifying scenes and give them credit for, again, straightest line between two points, sometimes the way to go. There's a massive Ard sign. We've seen the Ard teased. He's constantly using Ard in the book, and so they're going to do it in the series. I hope they bring more of the fire stuff and the Eardin and the mind control stuff so forth from the game, but they're taking their time. Uh, so, right, so we've already seen the silver um, uh, lasso which, which burned the creature. This is, of course, straight from Alien, which everyone's stolen. Ridley Scott never gets enough credit. Um, but he, that he can fight in hand-to-hand shows that it's real. And, and, you know, the fact that you can fight every undead thing, for the most part, with a silver sword in the game isn't just convenience because it's a game and you want to fight with the sword. Um, and often you need to use spells and stuff to really, it's, you know protect yourself or get rid of the, the spirit or, or whatever um, but that in this world even the the undead the crippling horrifying undead are um, oh he needs to use her, her ovaries or something to do the rest of the surgery really quickly I, I had thought that this would be pure magic and because this is kind of new material quote unquote or expanding the canon big time uh, I'm okay with it. Um, but in this world, even the most un- powerful, scary undead creatures are somewhat corporeal and can be fought with with uh, with silver. It had to have that be the case. You know, big problem here is he can't reason with it. There are so many monsters in the Witcher games bestiary, partially just because they wanted huge open-world games with tons of monsters, and that's what everybody wants, and partially because their imaginations are amazing, and they just expanded on what made sense um, in the world of the Witcher. The only problem is ghouls and, and griffins and you know, and wargs and you know creatures that are very much alive, animals or otherwise... Uh, are awesome to fight, and I hope we see. That being said, you know, in the end, the big bad guys in the book with all the beasts and the vampires and the werewolves and the ogres and the golems and and the elementals and so much more, you know, as this gets more and more painful, Anya Chalotra, I could see her getting noms. uh, You know, it's too late in the year, I think, for nominations this year, but she could get it for next year, potentially, I suppose. I mean, her performance is, is you know, in, through the roof. I love Lena Headey and Amelia Clark and the ladies of Game of Thrones, good, bad, and otherwise, but this is some of the best acting you're going to get. Whoop, something just blasted. Oh, is Triss coming? Is Triss coming to save the day? They don't actually fight to give... Oh, that's awesome. It's silver brass knuckles shaped like walls. But it's silver. Boom. It's it's kryptonite. You know, it's their kryptonite. That's the point. I think Yennefer's screaming, tormented transform could only work... Oh, man. It's like a blood eagle. We're seeing the spine, but this is coming together, the spine. I guess they had to do it, interspersed with, with the Witcher here. Again, 
I would have maybe created some separation. Wait, what is he hearing? But anyway, as I was saying, the big baddies, and ultimately the most scary because of power and the implications of interdimensional domination, are the elves from another dimension, who are the wild hunt. And... So, I, I, in terms of bringing it to the game, I'm starting, I'm starting to feel strongly that they're going to try and turn the five series books into, let's say, three, and by the end of what would be the fourth season, uh, leading into the fifth season, will actually be towards the Wild Hunt, and they might do a completely different version of the events of Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, but to have the final couple seasons be about the Wild Hunt, considering they're the most powerful live for almost ever. They're elves, but they're super-powered. They can travel between dimensions, and they're the ones really after Ciri. The ones, you know, it would suck if the Emperor or various kings got a hold of Ciri and wreak havoc with her or her bloodline. But, but you know, if the Wild Hunt gets a hold of her, the apocalypse is already happening, by the way, which is all the planets in the multiverse, for some reason, eventually get covered by an endless, um, infinite, forever cold ice thing, um, and that's part of why the elves are traveling around to take over other planets for survival, but also, you know, to, I guess, I don't know, reverse time, or just have the power of Siri. That would be the way, you know, um, it's like, you know, they, in the very first episode of the very first season of Game of Thrones, they teased the White Walkers, you know, and then they teased the dragons with the eggs early on, but the dragons don't come in until, what, five, six seasons, like, really come in of, of Game of Thrones, and the White Walkers end up being, to me, like, not lame and not that interesting. Here, the Wild Hunt is teased and not fully realized until the game, so until post the books. And you save her, and they're going to run him out of here. By the way, no Siri in this episode. We'll see if they throw in at the end. It's smart. Is this Yen? Is this Yena? Yena. And... Is this going to be scary here? Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. That's part of horror. Just when you think the horror's done. Oh, she bites his neck. I forgot about that. Um... So, yeah. So, I, I know I'm going big picture here. And there is certainly enough material in each of the five series books. I mean, Blood of Elves, the next one, while it's sort of physically the shortest, because of the aforementioned beginning of the deep, long relationships between Triss, Geralt, and Yennefer, each with Ciri. Um, and Geralt was not expecting that. He thought he had won. He has a death wish. It's not as bad as Yennefer's, but he... You know, takes on battles he knows he can't win. Is this when they see beautiful Yennefer for the first time? And Istrid's like, what? Now, we know she does know Istrid, and it's complicated from a long time ago, from well before Geralt's. So that part works with the canon. This is a ugly duckling. Yep, here she is. They did it. No scars, too, somehow. 
Uh, oh, as I, as I was teasing, Triss, you know, is on the Monument of the Dead uh, Enchantresses on Sodden Hill from the end of this season, starting next season, and people have folktales about the, the Enchantresses actually being good guys and helping them, uh, and Triss is on there, but she ends up being alive, but again, she starts getting human diseases, which is not supposed to happen, her powers are lower, not supposed to happen, and she mentions about never being able to wear, like, a deep uh, neckline on a dress ever again or whatever. Which sounds could we know she got burned? Luckily, not her, you know, beautiful face, um, but her body got messed up, and, and she's weaker, and she doesn't have the full sorceress powers. Interesting to think of Triss, you know, getting to Yennefer's level and not getting horribly injured and almost dead and back to life. You know, would she be able to have handled Siri? I don't think so. You know, you need someone of high magic, as they call it. You need someone of, of sorcery, of, of the, the highest level of sorcery. Um, okay, who's this guy? Fuck, I missed it. I missed it! Oh, well. Let's see. Does Cesaria? This is a straight firefly dance. It's funny. It's hard to do. I mean, this must be based on something medieval, but does does Saya approve of all this? Uh, so she is. Hmm. Frangilla wanted to be with. I think Frangilla wanted. Uh, see, I can't tell if Frangilla wanted to be with Nilfgaard or not be with Nilfgaard. King Verfell. Verforel. Oh, Triss saves. Geralt. She's so great. You needed the one. You needed the one. So yeah, again, they could easily do five more seasons just the books. If they're going eight or nine seasons, they don't have to skip through. But if they really want to keep this till five or six seasons, then what I would do is, for the final season, have it be against the Wild Hunt. You don't, you literally don't have to use anything other than some of the imagery and the main material, if you don't want, from the game, The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. But, you know, let's put it this way. The Witcher book series is so great that even though the storyline, the main storyline of our characters here in the Wild Hunt in, in The Witcher 3 it is actually more epic than even the giant battles and so forth um, in, in The Witcher books, the books are so good, you know, I, I end up liking them more because, let's be honest, great books are great books. Um, nevertheless, I, like I talked about this with Ahsoka Tano, like eventually Ahsoka Tano has to be a live-action character. She's so many people's favorite Star Wars characters. She get people with Star Wars and people were done with Star Wars. Universally love female Jedi character and she would look amazing. It's just a matter of time. I think if we don't get older Siri and all of them doing the Moran, you know, defense and the final battle, you know, uh, against the Wild Hunt and, uh, you know, traveling to different dimensions with Geralt. I mean, there's just so much gold there. Yeah, and there's the natural. I mean, she's not Rosario Dawson yet, I mean, but she's younger. She can get there, this woman. She has that earthy beauty mixed with, you know, empathy all over her face and the sadness is intentional because of everything they've fucking been through and she's been through although she hasn't been through uh, sodden yet monsters and money 
When she sees Yennefer later, she's sort of testing Yennefer offhandedly by saying, oh, what happened to that Witcher Geralt? And Yennefer is just like, I hope horrible, terrible things happen to him, and they're the worst. The Witchers are the worst. They're like, oh, Yennefer, grow up. And that's the other thing. The other benefit of making Triss look as old or older than Yennefer, even if she's younger, is to enhance... Or I should say, accentuate how much of a child Yennefer is acting like. Whose pen is that? Renfrew's pen. So the pen is ending up being the symbol of Syrian destiny, something more, which is the name of the chapter. I don't know if it's the name of this chapter. They've been mostly n- nailing the names of the chapters, working it in. Yep, they, yep, we got some Siri. You had to. Oh no, something more comes in. Is this the beginning of the Dryads? In the forest, whose name I always forget. Brokalon, excuse me. Brokalon Forest. Yep, it's this looks like a snow-covered exact version of a Fangorn. Here's Elf Buddy. Hmm. Did she just leave him? He's gonna chase after her again. Oh Siri. Oh Siri. Siri, Siri, Siri. So something more is, ooh. So something more is actually the last chapter of the sort of destiny, which is if you just focus on the end of the series journey this season, and then Geralt being horribly injured, saving the saving the the uh, wagoner, and the wagoner insisting that he come home and heal, and then him being healed by a strange woman, realizing woman's his mom, and so forth. I can't believe Siri's just walking. They must be, they're calling to her in some magic way. This is her first real exposure to a large, what we would call a virgins in the forest in Star Wars. But it's both the people in the woods and the dense woods themselves. She wouldn't have let that kid get hit by an arrow and not look twice if she wasn't under a spell. And that's the point, is her lack of control over power. And we see, and Triss is the one to first recognize it in Blood of Elves. We're not here yet, so... Look, for a third episode that mostly is uh, not filler, because I hate that word, but for mostly is a murder mystery of the week mixed with, okay, we finally have to get Yennefer looking like Yennefer. Um, they did a great job, but guys, I'm here to tell you that, that starting next episode with the wet, with the t- twisted wedding in Centra with Queen Calinthe, your daughter Pavetta, and all the ba- idiot men, and then the hedgehog, and then the battle, and the magic is the base. Episode 5 is The Last Wish, which is the meeting of Yennefer and Geralt. And then 6 is where we finally get Dandelion, Geralt, and Yennefer together on a quest for dragons. Um, Hopefully we find some dragons. Spoiler alert, we do. Um, And then the final two episodes, which is the big finish, like Game of Thrones. Um, And when we get to the final two episodes, I'll talk about how it's not that I don't like the big Lord of the Rings Game of Thrones final stuff. It's just not the stuff I care about as much. Um, And we can discuss a little bit at that point. I started to bring up some of the minor flaws even though I love this series. The bottom line is, the character stuff that happens at at the end of Sword of Destiny 
is what mostly fills the last chapter or two, or episode or two, I should say, of this season. So, thank you for so much for listening. We are definitely going to get um, very shortly uh, to a ban- oh man, a banquet's bastards and burials um, with Geralt and yet Jaskier at the royal ball. With Queen Mad Queen Kalinthe, um, and uh, really appreciate you joining us. Been having a blast doing these. Uh, we'll try to get these out before the end of the year. So thank you from everyone at the Bizzlecast. But for now, we are out. <laughs>